All right, so today, welcome back to Lincoln Podcast. Uh, today, we have Hopper Seeley from Grind City. Hopper, tell us about yourself a little bit. A little bit? Okay, so uh, my name's Hopper Seeley. Uh, born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, actually started homebrewing with uh, my dad when I was in middle school. I was 13 years old. Um, Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my dad, uh, he traveled a lot for work, so uh, he was trying to figure out a way to have, you know, father-son bonding time, and he knew that if it wasn't, like, there wasn't a layer of cool, then I probably wouldn't do it. Right. And one of his buddies was like, you got to make your own beer. And he was like, oh, my son will definitely say yes to making his own <laughs> beer. So started making beer with him at 13, and then uh, freshman year of high school, like, I, I, I brewed 13, 14. Uh, freshman year, I'm 15 years old. We had a career day. And uh, the person speaking up front was like, does anybody here know what they want to do when they grow up? Nobody's hand goes up. I put mine up. And teachers, uh, this is actually somebody presenting, somebody's parent. And I was like, you, sir, what do you want to do? And I was like, I'm going to start my own brewery one day. So the next day I was in the principal's office. And <laughs> was saying that? Well, they were cool about it. They were actually cool. I, I was, If you can just treat me like an adult, I'm, real, I can, I'm cool with that. So he, uh, principal was like, look, we know your parents. We know your family. Just, just don't brag about it, all right? Just don't brag that you're a high schooler making beer. Just do it on the side. Don't talk about it. <laughs> I was like, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. So I went through the rest of high school. Uh, I actually uh, went to Boise State for a semester uh, before I transferred to Brew Lab in Sunderland, England. Uh, so when I was at Boise, I really, I'd never been out of Memphis before, so I wanted to get, like, the exact opposite of Memphis. Right. And I was out there, and I love the city of Boise. Uh, I actually, of all places, worked at Chick-fil-A well, when I was up there. But uh, I hated the school part again. I was like, I'm not a regular. I was never great in school, ever. And this was an opportunity for, like, my plan was business degree. And then there's some colleges that have, like, uh, you can get a brewing diploma on the side. Oh, okay, cool. So that was my plan. Until I realized, like, oh, Sunderland, England, the drinking age is 18. And I already have, you know, five years experience at this time brewing. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I called my dad and I was like, Dad, this is a waste of time and money. Uh, I am going to uh, transfer to brewing school. And he was like, what? Where? You're 18. It's like, I'm going to uh, go to Sunderland, England. He was like. All right, that's pretty cool. All right, let's, let's, <laughs> let's do it. Your so dad I, seems like a definitely cool ass dude, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's cool. And, uh, he always jokes that uh, he is he's lost Father of the Year multiple times. <laughs> so my, my, my favorite story of uh, starting out was uh, it was Sunday. We we were church every Sunday, family, and one of our beers that we made was ready to bottle. And I think I was fourteen when this happened, and my dad was like, "Crap." I can't miss church. Hey, son, you want to bottle these beers while we go to church? <laughs> so I called my buddy who was a neighbor. I'm like, hey, you want to help me bottle some beer while our parents go to church? And he was like, I don't think my parents are going to say yes to that, dude. <laughs> they did. So we bottled our beer while they all went to church. And then uh, after, uh, so go to Sunderland, England, my professor was a uh, high level at Heineken. Damn. And I thought, I mean, I'm 18. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to drink some beer. We'll make <laughs> yeah, some beer, you know, have some fun. Not at all. 
not it's only a nine week course, but it's eight 12 hour days, uh, six to seven days a week. And you also had to work at about I worked at nine breweries as part of my class as part of school. And he just taught the science of beer. Like it was nothing was really fun about it. And if I had to go back and do it again, I probably wouldn't because it was really not that fun. It was all lab work. It was all important stuff that I use today. But mm. it was it was a brutal time. But the very end of it, they let us uh, put our beer in a professional uh, competition. Mm. And it was a wheat beer festival, in, which is uh, most festivals you have multiple categories. This one was like wheat beer only. And we split our class up between the Americas, so it was Canada and American students versus the rest of the world. We had some students from Australia, Saudi Arabia, uh, all over the place. And we did a wheat IPA, and we actually won gold. It was like, woohoo! We get a little Damn, gold, dude. gold medal. Now, that beer I wouldn't make again. It was a cask wheat, not carbonated room temp IPA. It wasn't great, but compared to the other wheat ales, not bad. You would like it because you like you could drink anything room temperature. Yeah, I like warm beer. I mean, we oh, really? One, look mm-hmm. at this. One day we were at my buddy's house. This when he lived on Highland. He goes outside, reaches. I was like, "There's no ice in there, man. It's just hot." He's like, comes Her- back and starts drinking. He's like, oh. just enjoying the fuck out of it. I'm like, "What well, is?" I'm you? a slow drinker, so by the time it's gonna I get, get warm, done, anyways. It's get warm, yeah. Oh, dude, like we'll be out. I'm on like four, number yeah. four, whatever. And so the rest of our friends. Guys, still got the first one like up your stuff. Like, I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, yeah, I'm not a chugger. You're like, I'm going to enjoy the product. I'm not just going to chug it. Yeah. Well, his, his, his philosophy is, I'm just going to piss it out anyway. So, what difference is it? Like, how fast <laughs> I drink it, right? But, um, so when you came back, after you won that contest, you came back home. Uh, yeah. So, I came back to Memphis. I uh, actually was able to get an uh, opportunity in uh, Mississippi to, uh, I wasn't running the. Sh- they were training me to be the uh, chief operating officer there. Okay. Uh, then uh, towards the end, I knew I needed to find another place, and worked at another brewery in Memphis. And then after about two years there, uh, I had kind of had my team built in my mind, built out the business plan, built out uh, the beers, and then we started Grind City, mm. and that was a. Uh, that was a fun one. Yeah. Doing so this that. is, what, 2018, the Grand City, or 2019? So by the time the original plan, uh, I left my previous employer in 2017, uh, 2016 or 17. It was 17. And in 2018, like while I was working there, I was getting details on, you know, meeting with banks and meeting with investors and uh, board of directors, and we uh, bought the property. I believe it was the it was November 2018 is when we actually were able to get the property. They told Jeez. us, yeah, they told us six month build out. And I was like, awesome, we'll be open summer of 2019. This is gonna be perfect. <laughs> and when I say we hit every speed bump you can hit during construction, and we had Linkus, who's you know they're one of the biggest general contractors in Memphis. They're uh, Superintendent came to me and he's like, I am so sorry. I've been on part of multi, multi hundred million dollar jobs. And ours was definitely not that. And he goes, this is, I've never seen so many problems go on with one construction job. It's like, Thanks, buddy. Thanks, <laughs> I really wanted to hear that. Appreciate it. Yeah. So he said, because of like, 
It was because of like where it's at located in Uptown or like? So, uh, yeah, we were the first ones to develop a kind of a retail front in Uptown. There was another company called The Office at Uptown. They were kind of doing, they had, you know, coffee, sandwiches and place to go work. But we were the first ones like really north of that to actually open up retail. But the problem was it was originally a train station that turned into a chair factory. But when they when it was a train station, they just knocked the buildings down, put dirt on top of it, built the factory for the chair factory. Oh, okay. So every time we had to do new sewage because, you know, back in the day, they didn't their regulations didn't really exist for construction. And like the sewage line that was previously there actually kicked out into the harbor. Damn. So we had to do all new sewage line, all new waste lines, all new everything. And every five feet, there was a brick wall. Mm. So what was like maybe $50,000 to lay down all the line turned into $250,000 and took three times as long to do it. Now, are you going to the bank for more money at this point? Uh, yeah. Yes, I did. Like, it's like, hey, man, uh, I need more money. So I went to the I went back to the bank uh, multiple times, and then uh, we got— we were blessed. We met with uh, the city of Memphis wants to build out Uptown and like make it not just North Memphis, it's Uptown. So they gave us, we got some grant money from uh, the CRA and the DMC downtown and that helped build out like all the other extra stuff that we had to get done because of how bad that place was before we got it. What made you choose that location? The view. Man, it is a good view. You've been, oh yeah, you, we've been there. Yeah, for the like, festival. Oh, that's right. And we're having it again. Um, dude, it is what you did. What I think you did really, really good. Well, not only I'm not just saying this because you're sitting here. But your <laughs> beer does taste good. Well, I appreciate it. And that. I do enjoy it. But like oh, um, the facility is really nice, too. Yeah, yeah. dude. Like even your bathrooms are nice. <laughs> that would, that <laughs> would make that my stand out to me. My mother would be so happy to hear you say that right now because that was a that I'm of the argument of. If we're going to argue about something, what's the reward if if I win versus if you win? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like for me, it's like, okay, it's a bathroom. Who cares? Yeah. And my mom was like, it has to be the most beautiful bathroom. It's got to be amazing. And then they told us like what a $100,000 bathroom looks like. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's make it nicer for a little bit less, shall we? <laughs> this is uh, – but yes, we – a lot of actual energy went into making sure the bathrooms were yeah. good. I mean, everybody's got to go, especially if you're drinking beer. Right. Yeah. So, like, what I was saying earlier was, so where you, I think you win on is your tap room. Yeah. How nice it is. It's welcoming. You have a lot of space. You have a lot of green space where mm-hmm. people can just go and chill and yeah. get fucked up if they want. Whatever they want to do. <laughs> no one's going to bother them, you know? It's Don't kinda, you have, like, artwork on the side of the building, too? Uh, like, yes. So, Paint at Memphis, they actually did a, a campaign where they just started paint. Uh, they got uh, graffiti artists from all over the country to come and just paint parts of Memphis for free. Yeah. So, they we have uh, four on our old glue silo, and that's one with Elvis and with the— there's one. It's just like a repeat of Memphis, 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 Memphis. The Elvis one is my personal favorite. And on the back wall, we've got a mockingbird, a elegant uh, Indian, and uh, I forget what the third one is at the top of my head. But we, there's so much art yeah. around the building right now. Yeah, it's a nice looking building. Well, I appreciate that. It took some time. It was original. That building was filled with sawdust, chair backs, and uh, for a lack of better terms. Uh, animal feces 
Is uh, yeah, wild dogs, fox, ho- dead hawk, possum, raccoons. Did you guys ever uh, post before pictures on like your Facebook or anything like that? Uh, nothing drastic because this is where I'm. My mind is fifty years ahead of mm-hmm. what the place should look like. So when I look at the tap room, I'm like, oh, it's not there. Oh, it's not there. And I know that the before side, we do need to post uh, some before pictures because we've done some videos of demo. We've done some pictures of what's going on. But the real before and after stuff, it's because I I really want to do it when it's perfect, which in my lifetime, it never will be perfect. So we probably need to do that sooner than later. So tell me about the event y'all just had last weekend at the, um, at your place. It was like some kind of bodybuilding thing or? Oh, <laughs> I was like, my friend sent it to me. I was like, I don't, I, what do you? What is this? Yeah. So this, friend, uh, uh, I forget on top of my head. Uh, this gentleman who who runs this, uh, they were trying to raise money for uh, a veteran who has you know badly injured and help pay for his hospital bills and things of that nature. And the way they raise money is just like we donated you know dollars per beer. And then you had to pay to actually participate in deadlifting 500 pounds. Mm. So it rained outside. So we had to bring it into the building and like just like a bunch of just jacked dudes just started trying to deadlift 500 pounds. A lot of them could do it. I was, well, I wasn't shocked. If you looked at these guys, you're like, okay, you can deadlift more than 500. Did you do it? No. (laughs) Was that Jeremy Allen that posted that? Um, Tiffany. Oh, Tiffany okay. Warburg was the one who posted it. Oh, was that the, the ribs? Is that the picture? That, that's the picture of the ribs oh, and stuff, okay, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. But um, so your slogan is great beer, great community. Yeah, uh, our slogan's Something like that, right? It, it's take, <laughs> yeah, our slogan's taking care of beerness. And what we define as taking care of beerness is, one, we do the hard work to make beer so that you don't have to. And then secondly is, you know, beer, what's so great about beer compared to really any other alcoholic category is that it brings people together like it's called a pub because it was public gatherings Mm -hmm. so it's like we want to be the pub of this part of memphis and most breweries if you look at you know wiseacre on broad ghost river in south main cross town cross town area memphis made and midtown high cotton the edge like they all are like the gathering spot of that area Mm -hmm. and that's you know that's what we wanted to do with uh, with Grind City and Uptown, well, North Memphis, but Uptown. So, um, how much of y'all are still giving part of your sales back is even to bring a brand new company yeah, to so charity? It's our yeah. So, prof. It's ten uh, percent of our profits at the end of the year. We donate to uh, charities that we're involved with. That is a lot of money. It is, yeah. You know, when you it really ten like percent is a lot. Usually, you see like one percent on like bottles and shit. Right. So it really. Uh, when I first, when I built out my first uh, uh, financial plan and projections, uh, of course, it looked all pretty. You know, a pandemic was not budgeted into yeah. the uh, into the financials, and I was like, "Oh man, we can donate all this money. This is going to be, you know, you know, really making a difference. It's great." And then we opened up, and immediately, I mean, we op- our wholesale opened up May of 2020, and that's when everything was shut down. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, so we're probably not going to donate this year because we don't have any profits. Yeah. But luckily, as we get things churning, which we are now, uh, we're actually able to donate. We've also done, uh, like, if one of our charities wants to have an event at the brewery, uh, to, 
we usually don't charge them like that's and that's it's a risk because we're shutting down to the public and you don't want to be known as the brewery that's never open so mm-hmm. but that's kind of where anybody can make beer it's really it's actually not that hard to make beer to make great beer consistently that is hard but other breweries do that so it's what can we do that's beyond beer and my goal is by the time i either hang it up or by the time i die cuz i'm not i'm never going to retire i don't retire i'll just work until i'm dead mm-hmm. i want to be able to look at this part of town and be like this was not the same before we started that's a good outlook. Yeah. You have definitely, y'all have definitely brought that area on the up. Yeah. Because I remember one time me and my friend Kelly were walking around down that part. And I was like, what is all this? It's just run down, you know, broken, all kinds of like abandoned buildings and stuff. Yeah. And she was like, there's a place, I forget what city she said it was in. She said, there's an area like this in the X city that they turned all of this and they made breweries with tap rooms. There was like 10 breweries on one street. Mm-hmm. And then like this had big tap rooms and stuff like that. And yeah. like that's and it was booming, she said. Yeah. And that's kind of where I mean, she said it would work perfect back there. But, you know, you guys were the first. Yeah. And, yeah. We, it, it comes yeah. with its uh, it was a huge risk. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a huge risk. And, you know, rightly so. My bank was concerned, too. Yeah. I mean, they just look up, you know, your insurance companies. They just look up the zip code. And then look at the statistics, and they're like, all right, you're going to have to pay out the ass for this insurance. You're going to have to – it's like, we're going to make it work. And what's really cool is when we started working with the CRA, we actually had to meet with the Uptown Committee, which is mostly comprised of people who live in Uptown. And, like, working with them on, like, how can we make this neighborhood better? What can we do? And, uh, like, we've gotten – it's not just like, oh, here's another company that's going to raise property taxes and blah, 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 blah. None of that's happening. We're just we're working with the people of the community. And uh, now that the green line is actually coming to the brewery. Oh, wow. Yeah, that part's going to be pretty cool. They actually uh, it was a member of the uh, they were very crucial in designing the layout because the original architectural drawings for how it was going to connect to the brewery. It was elegant. It was pretty. And the people in the neighborhood were like, yeah, that ain't going to work. Like, you got to take that out. You got to do this, that. And it's been a really good collaboration of trying to make Uptown Uptown. What did they want to do? So they wanted trees and bushes all over the place, uh, landscaping practically. Mm -hmm. And the people in the neighborhood were like, "Uh, yeah, you got to, that's a hiding spot. So Mm -hmm. you need to get rid of that. It's like that that's the main problem that we have currently with, with uh, Booker T. Washington Park is that people will hide in the bushes and jump out and we just need to get rid of that. Wow. And it's mostly people who like they don't actually live in North Memphis. Like people who actually live in the North Memphis part, at least where the brewery is, there's you know, truck drivers, waiters, waitresses, uh, warehouse employees, like they're just trying to work and get through the week like anybody else. Yeah. And then random People will just come and try to rob and They're jump looking, and steal. They look at it as an opportunity. Right. Uh, that's just, it's sad because like I've been seeing a lot of shit here around town. Like people have been posting, people's tires and wheels have been stolen, just yeah. jacked off and shit. But it's always something, it's like an opportunity. So they'll see something they can take and they'll do it. And if, like you said, there's places where you can be in the shadows. Right. Why would you not do it? You know? Right. Or if you're a shitty person, I should say. Or if that. you're a shitty person, yeah. yeah, that's kind of a that's kind of crucial. I mean, yeah. growing up, you know, when we was younger, I used to pee in the bushes. You know, I'm not gonna <laughs> jump out of the bush. <laughs> yeah, big difference, big difference. Yeah. So, tell us how y'all came up with this. 
Zoo Brew. Yeah. So our number one selling beer at the tap room is Poppy's Pills. And what we do with that, it's, I mean, it's very similar to uh, a Modelo, a, a Corona, mm. or uh, it's like what we tell our customers is it's this is our Miller Lite Bud Light. Drinkability. Yes. It's all about drinkability. And that's with all of our beers. But what we do is we garnish it with a lime. Uh, because, I mean, lime and light beer, come on. It's great pairing. Mm-hmm. And when the uh, Memphis Zoo, when we started that conversation and they came up to talk about what beers they wanted, excuse me, uh, they, obviously it's about what is what does the consumer really want. And I literally poured them a poppy's pills and I squeezed a lime in there and I was like, taste that. And they were like, this is, this is it. It's like, great. So obviously we add the lime before. Yeah. But... <clears throat> Uh, this that's how that one came to be flavor wise, but the actual collaboration started when uh, Alex Edelman was working with Nick. Hey, boo! I told you you're gonna be on the podcast. <laughs> she got with Nick and talked about because the zoo is they've wanted a official beer for a while, and she was like, "I know Hopper at Grind City, like he'll get it done." Yeah. So met with them, talked about different you know other beers they could do this that, and the other. And then we came up with Zubru. Well, I was thought when when Nick was like, "Hey, we're going to get beer approved in the zoo." Mm-hmm. Who do you think? I was like, "Man, I don't know." To be honest with you, I would go with those people down at Grand City. And I, he was like, "Well, okay." And then it's when he started talking to Alex. Yeah. We we're all friends, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Can you can you make this happen? Can we you know talk to them and stuff like that?" And yeah, she. She's probably the best person that works at that company. <laughs> I mean, she's she, really, she is great. Chris Green is pretty amazing, though. Oh, well, Chris Green's the, the boss, man. <laughs> like, Chris Green is I like... I Chris, too. Yeah, yeah. We love you, too, Chris. I don't. But, uh, <laughs> like, he's, like, the boss. Like, I'm talking about when it comes to, like, salespeople, like, she dominates. She kicks everybody's ass. She's really good. She's really good. They have good reps. But, uh, yeah, so now you have a new collab... Which I'm really fucking interested in. Like, <laughs> I posted the picture of it as soon as I saw it, and I got a, two phone calls from people I work with. What are you doing posting that? I was like, dude, this is cool as shit. Why are you acting like you never went to Rafers before, dude? Right. So tell us about it. So that one was interesting too. So Paulo has also uh, wanted to have an official beer for uh, ever, to my knowledge. And she talked to Alex Edelman, and Alex was like, let me just let me just go ahead and just. Wash, rinse, repeat. Here's Hopper Sealy. And then uh, we talked about what sells the most for her. And then she tried. What she told us was, I don't like beer. I will always have beer. My dad's favorite beer is, was Bud Light 40s. Like, we got to have that. But I want a Bud Light and I want, you know, something I would drink. And we had our, I had a new fruited seltzer that we were only selling in the tap room. And I was like, what do you think about this? And she loved it. So I was like, all right, great. Why don't we do a beer for your dad and we do a seltzer for you? So probably, I mean, that started like almost, golly, like eight, ten months ago. So it took a while to really narrow down the arc. But after uh, after the eight, ten months of going back and forth and trying to trying to design the can, she everybody loved it. And I was like, all right, we're gonna officially we're gonna make the official beer and seltzer of uh, of Rayford's. You guys, what, what does the logo look like or the picture? Um, I got a, you got a, I got a picture on mine. So it's kind of fitting because I remember when they were first original it was only forties in water, mm-hmm. right? You know. So one is called Hollywood Hustle, correct? Yeah, correct. Ho- Hollywood Hustle is the beer yes. for her dad, and then um, 
the seltzer is called uh, Disco Dynamite. Disco seltzer. Dynamite, which are both cool names, man. Yeah, right. You know, and I, I saw that I was like, man, these motherfuckers are taking over. That's what I was thinking. I was like, why can't we do something fun like this? When you have young, creative people, man. Well, yeah, they, you know, he's only like twenty six or something like that. Yeah, I'm twenty six right now. That's the oh, uh, that's legit, man. Yeah, that's the seltzer. And this is the Pilsner. Those are both 20 oh, ounces. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Regulated at 19.2 fluid ounces. But let me tell you, when you weigh the can, you can fit 21 ounces in there. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, a lot of things are shifting to 19.2s. Um, mm-hmm. Like, uh, what do you call it? A lot of these um, IPAs, like uh, Voodoo Ranger and stuff like that. Yeah. They have a whole line. That come, they, they're with this, like, another new whole line. They already got, like, five. I'm like, where are we supposed to put all this shit? Right, yeah. I mean, that's one thing I don't understand yeah, they keep on coming out with beer. We don't have any more places to put it. The right. store only is so big. I say the store is the size of this room. We're going to have one quadrant. Millet's going to have the other. Yeah, liquor's going to have one side. You right. know, it's like mm-hmm. it doesn't get bigger, y'all. It's like the stores right. aren't growing in size like our portfolio is. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, it, yeah. The liquor store is not growing by a hundred square feet every month. Like it's static. It's there. Like you have to fit it in. It's kind of like you're making us kill our own brand. So instead of four rows of Bud Light, now I'm only going to have three rows of 25-ounce Bud Light and mm-hmm. the new Imperial or the, the new whatever. And I just wish they would slow down on this stuff because what's selling good, they sometimes will kill that. Right. Or not bring it back to Memphis. So they have like a couple pallets only for Memphis and they never bring it back to Memphis. Right. Or they'll do like, oh, we just don't have it. We just don't have it. So they won't send it. Like the company won't send it to Memphis because it's selling much faster somewhere else. Right. Like, Dude, you're fucking me up, man, because – yeah. I made you a space, and now my space is empty. Well, it's, I mean, it's just like, I mean, these, especially the major brewing companies, uh, it's about, I mean, shelf space is the name of the game, and the more the bigger your brand is, you can, it's like, all right, I'm getting two, three more uh, uh, SKUs on the shelf. Whatever has to come down has got to come down. I need that space. Yeah. They're trying to grow half a percent a year, if that. So it's like, so obviously we have it the easiest, right? Yeah, because I'm Bud Light, right? Everybody's got to have Bud Light. And exactly, Ultra, of right? Course. So and Corona Medillo. Yes. So for me doing my job, hey, I got this new thing. It's from Anheuser Busch. It's say Bud Light Seltzer number nineteen or whatever the fuck they want to <laughs> call it. Okay. Like, yeah. Right. And um, okay, I'll try it. Uh, send me two cases. What are you gonna do if it doesn't sell? Well. It's going to sell, but I'm never going to send it to you again because, yeah. you know, I just, we just need to get it in the store. Got to get it out of here. I got to get it out. I got to get it out of the warehouse. I got to have distribution on my route for it. Right. So they'll try it. It sells. Then then I just killed my own brand with that mm-hmm. brand. And then I was like, how do I bring that other brand back? It's all constant struggle. But what your people are doing really well is taking space from us. Not me. <laughs> not me personally. But not they're, me. they're fucking up Miller reps left and right all day long. Mm-hmm. In these C stores, and that's I'm like, damn, Drew, you can let that, that motherfucker take your space <laughs> like that, man. Fuck that guy. That should be gone out of here before tomorrow. I was like, no, it won't. He's gonna have another space next to you before you know it. <laughs> that's the battle, right? It's yeah. the uh, like pre uh, when I first got into you know craft brewing, there was actually only one brewery in Memphis, was Ghost River. Yeah, OG. And then you know when they changed the tap room laws. High Cotton, Memphis Made, Wiseacre all come out in the same year. And now you've got us, Crosstown, Soul and Spirit, Meddlesome. It's just going to – so now it's, like you said earlier, there's no more shelves. No. no more shelf space. Like, you're all battling. What's your one or two beers that you know that is going to sell for me? Great. That's all you're getting. It's like – so you guys have Tiger Tail on draft mm-hmm. just about everywhere. Yeah. And that's, that's – 
How the fuck did y'all get so much distribution on that? So uh, Tiger Tail actually has a really cool uh, story. So when I got back from brewing school, uh, even though I was making craft beer, you would think that I was a craft beer drinker growing up. And, you know, a little bit. But like my little, my high school get a beer uh, kind of thing, if it wasn't my own homebrew, it was Steel Reserve 211. Oh, you, getting, you were getting fucked up. Well, I just, I liked it. I, I just loved Steel Reserve. I loved it. And uh, like my first, my first malt liquor was Colt 45. And then I tried Steel Reserve and I was like, oh, who needs Colt? This is great. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, even though recently we did a blind taste, every once in a while we'll do a blind tasting uh, to make sure like we know that like, is our beer really the best? And the blind tasting was Tiger Tail, Steel Reserve. Colt 45 and Old English 800. And Tiger Tail was my favorite, but Old English was my second favorite. And I was very disappointed because I always was a steel guy. And when I got back from brewing school, I'll give, I'll have to, gotta be honest, it was the idea came from Founders. So Founders had the DKML, the uh, bourbon barrel aged malt liquor. Oh, yeah. It's like 14.2%. And it was delicious. At least I thought it was. A lot of people hated it, but I loved it. Thought it was so good. Immediately went home that day, wrote the Tiger Tail recipe. It was like something that we can mass produce. So instead of putting Tiger Tail in a bourbon barrel, we actually get uh, medium toast American uh, oak chips. We uh, steam the chips and then throw that into Tiger Tail. And that's what mellows out like the, sh- like the sharp ethanol flavor that's usually hmm. in a malt liquor. So we, Tiger Tail is actually an oak aged malt liquor. And that one got a lot of distribution because one, I like to say first and foremost, it's a great beer, but also partnering with the Memphis Tigers, uh, Kroger and the Memphis and the Memphis Tigers are partners, so it was uh, a little easier for us to get Tiger Tail in multiple locations. Getting space in Kroger is hard. It, uh, it's not easy, man. It's I mean, not easy. It's very hard. I mean, I see some of your, I see some of the reps, you know, always fighting with the Kroger manager. Well, yeah. not fighting, but we. we our part of our job is to argue with people when it comes to space and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, cause like Mike, why is, why is Miller's mixed with mine? You know, we have mm-hmm. individual doors or whatever. Well, we have to make space for whatever beer. I'm like, okay, but you take that from Miller, you know, you don't take it from me. And then it just becomes a struggle. And then managers don't know how to answer it. Like at big stores, you know, they don't know how to yeah. answer. Well, this came up from above us. So you need, y'all need to talk to those people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whatever. But you guys are in all the big stores. And we're trying that's, to. That's that's legit, man. That's that's the plan. Can't be, you know, can't get to the level that you want to be at without Kroger. So, what is your, <clears throat> excuse me, what is your goal? Is your goal to be worldwide or countrywide at least? Yeah. Uh, so, actually, uh, my uh, one of my investors, when I was pitching him, he asked me the same thing. He's like, "What's your goal?" Mm-hmm. And I talked about you know making Memphis a better place and making uptown a better spot and all these things. And he was like, "Cut the bullshit." And I was like, this isn't bullshit. And he was like, you're never going to fix everyone's problems. What do you want? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just, I want to go to a random like liquor store or Walgreens in Idaho yeah, and go in there to buy Band-Aids. And I see my beer on the shelf. That's legit. See, I think <laughs> the thing with any type of thing you want to do big, you got to have kind of an ego. Yeah. Like you have to think grander than just your street. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Uh, because, I mean, if you don't, you're, what's the point of starting? Yeah. I mean, 
for me at least, it was, I just loved making beer. Yeah. Like I thoroughly enjoyed the process because my parents were actually really strict about me drinking the beers that we made. They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, you ain't doing that. <laughs> I mean, they know that I snuck a few yeah. here and there, yeah. but like, I just loved making beer and I just know personally, it's like, I just, from, for myself, it's, you know, I was raised to go big or go home. Mm-hmm. So every, like, if we're not consistently growing, I'm failing. Yeah. No, that's a hundred percent true, man. That should be your, everybody's mentality, especially if like I said, you're trying to start something. Mm-hmm. It's like, why would you just want to be local if you could be worldwide? Yeah. And like, that would be a, such a power trip to go somewhere. Cause like he told me like, he went somewhere and he was using his was talking, obviously, and then somebody heard his voice and they're like, "Oh, you're on that podcast." So it's just like that yeah. kind of that kind of thing, like where you're just not even branding yourself intentionally, but you're branding yourself. Well, it's it, part of it's also like there's a need, mm-hmm. like that's also what's really cool about it because I mean I could have chosen a different industry because I don't know about does America really need more craft beer? I mean, there's thousands of thousands of breweries, but when you like if you go to a random spot and they hear your voice and they know your podcast, you're like, there's a need. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm like kind of making somebody's life maybe not better, but just a little happier. Yeah. Like, yeah, like I always say there's seven something billion people in this world. There's an ass for every seat. Yeah. So like to say that, you know, why am I gonna do this? Who's gonna listen or who's gonna buy my beer? There's somebody for everybody. Right. Obviously there's gonna be somebody that hates everything, but there's gonna be somebody that loves it too. Yeah. So you might as well just put it out there. Yeah. And like I said, it, it just seeing somebody, it's not like a power trip, like, oh, look, they're drinking my beer. It's like, oh, man, oh, like it's, it's, it's like serving from my head. Like, yeah. I would definitely be like, hey, do you like that now. beer? Yeah. I created that. Drink yeah. up, motherfucker. Get another one. <laughs> <laughs> and that, yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's confirmation that you're not wasting your time. Yeah. Like nothing would be worse than, I mean, it's the way that I look at it is, the more people that you serve, the more successful your company will be. Money just follows mm-hmm. service. So, like, you know, Coca-Cola is not the healthiest thing in the world, but it makes people happy. People love it. And it's like you are serving the nas- international community by making Coca-Cola. And when people are drinking my beer, I'm like, okay, I'm serving. How can I serve more people? How can we make it easier for you to buy our product? How can we make it easier for you, more enjoyable to consume our product. That's what we ask ourselves whenever we're developing a new product, you know, criticizing what we're currently doing or uh, planning any taproom event. It's like, what sucks about what we do? Let's make sure, is it a like the bottle series? Uh, like I brought that bottle for you yeah. to have. Uh, the idea originally was to dip it in wax, uh, do wax dipping, like a Maker's Mark bottle. Oh, fancy. Yeah, like well, yeah, but uh, so... Uh, I dipped like 30 bottles in wax and gave it to the employees like, here you go. And they all were like, this was a bitch to open. (laughs) (laughs) Like Maker's Mark has a tad that you just Just pull it apart, pops off. And I was like, okay. So it doesn't make the experience any better. No wax. they, They do make things that you can put around the bottle, dip it. But that's the point being, that's how we look at everything that we do is... Can we, is what is stressful to the consumer to get our product? Is it, is the, is it the tops gross? Is it that uh, you can't find it very well? Is it whatever it is? We got to serve that. We got to, we got to correct that and help serve more of our patrons and our customers that are trying to get Grand City. Well, the find part, 
or where you can find it at, where it's located, that's going to come easy. That's going to become easy and easier and easier for people as right. time goes on. Because you guys, you know, like I said, you guys are killing it, man. Yeah, it's a it, yeah. That, that part's a time game, especially. I mean, you know, with Kroger and your bigger chains, like they'll give you a shelf spot yeah. for when you first open up. Now we luckily got like uh, most of them, we got two. So we were able to actually have two products, but yeah, that's a time game. I mean, you look at Wiseacre and Ghost Rivers shelf space at Kroger's, it's beautiful. Yeah. But, but I mean, they were, Ghost River was first to market. Wiseacre, I think they opened up after High Cotton and Memphis May, but within the same year. So, I mean, it takes time, but that's, you know, that's where we want to go. You know, so, sorry, go ahead, Tony. How did you come up with the name? And like, what do you, and as far as the name and branding, how does that go? Uh, as just just Grind City itself. Yeah. Okay. So actually, I'll give my wife a shout out here. Uh, <laughs> the original name for the brewery was Eighth Day. That's what we always called the uh, homebrew shop that we that we called it. Uh, on the seventh day, God rested. On the eighth day, He made beer. And, Dude, I uh, like that. <laughs> so uh, a few people were like, eh, "Maybe a little sacrilegious." And I was like, eh, "Maybe, but nah." And my wife. Uh, this is back when I think Snapchat's popular again. I'm not for sure. I'm terrible at social media. But my wife posted on her story because she was at the Memphis Zoo, of all places, full circle, I guess, with the zoo brew. Yeah. And posted, like, uh, not a better place to be. And it was a picture of the panda bear, and it said Grind City under it. And this is – I had, like, a thousand names on a piece of paper. Not one was Grind City. And I was like, duh, Grind City Brewing Company. Duh, that makes so much sense. It's the name of the city – like that is our nickname. Let's like there's Cigar City for Tampa, uh, Cigar City Brewing Company. Mm. It's like let's be, let's be the Grind City Brewing Company. And with branding, I mean, one of the cool things about like our gear, I, I, you want to be, we want to be as Memphis as possible without being over the top, mm-hmm. I guess, because we do need to sell in other states and cities. And the gear actually only has nine. Uh, cogs on the outside of it for 901. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's a little FYI. Probably, right. I'll never forget that now. Right. I'm reflecting on these bitches in my accounts. <laughs> Did you know this one has nine for 901? That's How right. do you know that, Raul? Because like, I'm smart, motherfucker. No, I'm just kidding. Because I counted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one, two. Does he normally have 10? I don't know. Uh, no. It, honestly, it was actually a happy accident. So we had another logo. And it had a bunch of cogs on it, which is more realistic of what a gear is. Yeah. But it didn't print well. So T-shirts and hats, any of the stitching was always screwed up because of the cogs. Well, then my artist was like, let me, you know, simplify this real quick. Bam, simplified it. And I was counting the cogs. And I was like, you son of a bitch. Nine cogs. He's like, you're welcome. Thought about it. Like, cool. And on the branding side, what I really like about this gear it's like our stamp of approval. Like it's kind of the way that we look at it. Does mm-hmm. it fall into our category? So the way that we kind of look at our beers are, A, are they delicious? B, is like does it have our version of it? Which what we focus on with all of our beers, even with our Imperial Stout, is drinkability. Like, can you have more than one? Because, mm. you know, it's fun having, like, like the bourbon barrel aged Stout we just made. It's 14% alcohol. And it's pretty heavy. It's really roasty. It's really sweet. And you take a sip and it's like, oh, that's a great glass. It's still e- it's still easy-ish to drink, but, I mean, you're going to get full. Yeah. So for our six packs, we're like, this needs to be, like, you grab a six pack for the lake, the beach, the 
football game, whatever. You can grab a six pack, you can crush them. Those were, and that's like our stamp of approval of what a Grind City beer is. Is it delicious? Is it drinkable? Or as we call it, crushable? What do you call it? The, the drinkability of a beer, like you're saying, is like with some of this light, right? So you can drink a bunch of them at a cookout or something like that, like Bud yeah. Light, uh, Poppy right. Pill, stuff like that. Yeah. I don't like drinking beers that are really heavy, to be honest with you, because you can only have a couple, like two. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, man, I feel like, why am I so full? Like, right. you know, you're like miserable for a little bit, right? If you drink too many of them. Right. But like, like Poppy Pill and like Bud Light and stuff like that, dude, you can, like you said, you can crush fucking 10, 15 of them if you needed to, you know? It's like, yeah, and you're not hammered. No. I mean, I'll talk to you a different story. You drink oh, you, six you, of those, you, you're you getting get, hammered. You can get fucked up. What is it, 8%? Uh, seven and a half. Seven and a half, yeah. And this... And like Poppy Bowl is four or five, right? Uh, four four percent on the dot. God, man, that's yeah, that's perfect for what you know, like and that's where it needs to be. Cause if you're if you want to gain space, you have to provide something that's comparable to what they have. Right. The big dog has, right? Yeah. And and y'all y'all have killed it with that. Everybody yeah. everyone I've asked about that beer, they've all liked it. That's good. That's great. That's what we want to hear. My buddy from uh my buddy Twitch, he lived in Fort Wayne for a long time, he came down here and they went somewhere and that was one of the beers, and he got it. He's like, dude, this is the best beer I've had locally. Nice. Yeah, I was like, are you being serious? You're just saying that. He's like, no, for real. Yeah, yeah. that one's yeah, – Poppy's Pill is a fun one too. So that one, when I was at brewing school, uh, you had to make a beer a week. Uh, so they actually had a little uh, – a mini brew house on the first floor. Second uh, second floor was offices and the classrooms. And uh, the first beer I made was a Smash Double IPA. And I was like, this is going to be great, blah, 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 blah. And I realized every single student, every one of my uh, classmates, they were all doing that. Mm. I was like, hmm, this, I'm just like everybody else. Okay. Went to my professor and I was, because my father-in-law, his favorite, favorite beer of all time is Heineken. So he worked at Heineken. So I go to my professor. I'm like, hey, I want to make Heineken. And he was like, fuck you. You're not making Heineken. <laughs> <laughs> but... I will get you close. And he's like, if I tell you how to make Heineken, I'll be killed. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so me and him went back and forth. Like Heineken's 5%, Poppy's is four. Uh, and we kind of switched up the adjuncts. Uh, so Poppy's pills uses corn. So if you, like, if you actually drink Poppy's, there's a, like a subtle sweetness of like cornbread on the end of it. And it's really, fun, really, really delicious, especially with a jalapeno. Not, uh, jalapeno is, Poppy's is actually really good. But it, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, came up with Poppy's Pills, and it was originally just called Pilsner uh, when I made it at home when I got back from school and made a batch. It was Christmas Eve, my uh, my actual Poppy, and then my father in law, who uh, his he passed before we had our first kid, but he was going to be Pops. And Pops and Poppy were drinking the Pilsner. And they were talking about like their health and medicine and you know stuff like that. And uh, my poppy goes, "This is like my medicine. I love this." And my pop is like, "Poppy's pills." And nice. we were all like, "Hey, <laughs> poppy's pills." So it seems like everyone in your family is involved with the business. Yeah, in yeah. Some, that some comes aspect, with the, you, know, you know, it's like, good and bad. It's good and bad. But, <laughs> like <well>. your bathrooms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, my wife, my wife helps. My uh, my sister helps. Uh, actually, uh, my both my parents are involved. Uh, it's it is a family. It is a family business. But uh, 
That's why it's always great whenever we're arguing. It's like, oh, family dinner is going to suck. So how many different uh, beers do you all have? Uh, so for wholesale, we have uh, Tiger Tail, Poppy's Pills, Godhopper. Those are our three beers. Uh, we also have our Viva Honey Seltzer line. So uh, four sk- and the Viva Honey Seltzer comes in original, lemon lime, peach, and orange creamsicle. Mm. We also have in the tap room, I mean, we could have 17 beers. We could have 12. Just depends on the week. Yeah. So can you give us like a dummy version of how to make beer? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so beer is four ingredients. Uh, water. It used to be strictly barley, but that's been changed. It's water, grain, hops, yeast. So the first step is you take grain. It's That's been malted, which just means uh, a farmer takes barley. They ship the barley to a maltster. What they do is they take the barley, steep it in hot water to like to, so that it germinates, it mimics growth. Then they remove, and with that, that's important because now, as a brewer, like if you brew with unmalted grain, which is you know normal barley, you can't make beer. But if you malt it, now we can we have access to the sugar that's in the barley. So we get malted barley or malted wheat or you know corn, rice, you name it. Uh, you crush it like you would crush coffee. You steep it in hot water. So think about making a gigantic batch of oatmeal. Okay. That's all it is. And what we're doing is we're actually going to convert the starches that are in the grain into fermentable sugar and pull it into liquid form. That so you that's called mashing in is when you have the when you're making your oatmeal is hot water and grain. The next step is that we're done with the grain. So we uh, usually you have they're called false bottoms, but think of a strainer. So we have a strainer in the mash tun. The liquid comes through, which is now called wort, and the grain is not a part of the solution. You transfer all the wort over, and then you boil the wort, and that's when you add your hops. So hops are like the salt of brewing. You add them for bitterness, flavor, and aroma. Or if you're a Blue Moon fan, you can add, you know, orange peel, coriander, uh, coriander, <laughs> coriander into the boil as well. Some craft breweries have done cinnamon toast crunch in uh, the boil kettle. Really? Yeah, I hope I never do that. I'm a traditional brewer. <laughs> like uh, my head brewer and my uh, chief operating officer, they're more on the, I can get creative, but with like temperatures of mashing and how long you let it ferment, that's how I get creative. They get creative on, let's add Palo Santos to a beer. Let's do, <laughs> well, we did a Rice crispy Treat lager. Like I never would have thought of that, ever. It's just wild. But after, so after you boil, you add your hops, you transfer it and chill it. Uh, so like there's, it's called a heat exchange and you, uh, transfer your hot wort through the heat exchange and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a maze. One side of the maze, you send hot wort. The other side of the maze, you send uh pre-chilled water and the heat exchanges from the hot wort into the water. You put it into a fermenting vessel, a giant tank. Mm-hmm. Then you add your yeast. Your yeast is going to eat the sugar and turn it into carbon dioxide and ethanol. Once it's done uh, fermenting, which most craft beer ferments in, like, I think the average is 10 days. Mm-hmm. You know, some lagers will take six weeks, and then some beers can be done in three or four days. Once it's done fermenting, you will lower the temperature of the tank, so each tank is temperature controlled, and you crash it, so set it to, like, you know, 35, 33 degrees. And what that does, it, it gets all the yeast that's in there or hops or whatever else you added to the uh, beer after it was done fermenting. 
that goes to the bottom of the tank, and then you take the uh, green beer, is the is what it's called now. So you got wart green beer, you filter that green beer and carbonate it. Now you got bright beer, and then you uh, keg it, can it, bottle it, or you know, shoot it all over the floor. How did people come right, up with this? Go shit, ahead, man? tell like, me exactly what he yeah. said again. I Test no time, <laughs> right? I, I love doing this thing because you realize how much you don't know until you talk to somebody that knows something. Right. I yeah. Mean, for me, it's kind of I actually struggle when I give tours. Like it took me a while to dumb it down. Yeah. And like it, I say, dumb it down, but like to make it more simple. Yeah. Because for me, like I'm 26 now. 50% of my life I've been brewing. Mm. So for me, it's like it's like breathing. It's second nature. I don't have to think twice about it. If something goes wrong with the brew house, I don't have to panic. I'm like, oh, I know what this is. But it yeah. make sense. And I've given some tours where they are like, what the hell are you talking about? And I'm like, yep, I completely understand why you have no <laughs> yeah. idea what I'm talking about. Because yeah. if I were to go to uh, – so like we work with uh, some other companies and they explain you know, what they do. I'm like, how – do you? It's like, well, we just do it. Mm. So that's how we know. Yeah. It's like when I have to take these, uh, we have to take tests for, for on uh, Brew You for, for Anheuser Bush. Yeah. And God bless, I'm like, how do I not know like most of this stuff? And then I have to take the test over and over to I can yeah. start, And I'm like, shit, I'm going to open another tab. I got to start YouTubing this shit. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't want to be here five hours, you know? <laughs> but some of the stuff is just like, okay, you know, some of it you'd know because you've just been selling it or whatever, you just read it or whatever. But then something like that gets more complex and stuff. I'm like, when am I ever gonna have to tell this to my friend Amir at Arlington Travel Center? <laughs> like, right, I'm not gonna have to tell him that. That's I think kinda, it's better to know than not know, though. Right, true. I agree with that. And all what kind of what helped me change how I would give a tour or anything like that was talking to accounts and explaining the beer and immediately seeing their disinterest. Like there's like, oh. Does it taste good? What's special about it? Can I sell it? Okay. I can simplify this. Because at the end of the day, it's like you could spend, you know, eight months making a beer and it's the most rare thing in the world. Does it taste good? No? F off. Don't care. Yeah. So how did you go from making it at your home to like full size? Like how difficult was that to get like, you know, mass producing it? It's actually uh, the only thing that makes it more difficult is what well, you have to spend a lot of money on is lab equipment. Okay. So, I mean, we, there's some days where I'm looking at a piece of my lab equipment. I'm like, you're more than my car. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh, and like, it's, it's, it's smaller than your soundboard. Really? Like it's tiny, but it's, that's like, that's what the big breweries. I mean, you're spending a lot of money on lab equipment because other than that, it's, it's scalable. So I used to do five gallons and now I'm doing, you know, 620 gallons Mm -hmm. and you just scale it up. And if anything, you actually get more efficient. So you, you rate a brew house on efficiency, just meaning how much sugar am I actually getting out of this grain? And that's how you measure your brew house efficiency. So we're at like 95% for ours and home brewing. You're usually at like 70, 65 sometimes uh, if you don't have the right equipment. But also getting the right homebrew equipment, it's it's stupid expensive. Is it's it like really? I might as well start a brewery for mm-hmm. uh, the same amount of money. But scaling it up is actually not too difficult as long as you have the efficiencies for your small batch and then for your big batch. Remember when we went to that thing on at Central Barbecue where they were teaching? Oh, yeah, was like yeah a, for a barbecue fest? Yeah, there, was a guy, yeah. there were some guys who were like, presenting their beer they created at home and stuff. Nice. They gave this big... Um, 
presentation, PowerPoint, you know, mm-hmm. all the well. I'm just like, I'm just ready to drink the beer, man. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. I'm just ready to drink the beer. Can you can I have some beer before, please? Or whatever. But like it was just like, man, it's just it's like you never know how much really goes into it. Like so Bud Light created Bud Light Next, right? Yeah. Which is zero carb. Yeah. So now that. I've actually tried it. Yeah. What'd you think, honestly? It was uh well this is what I said. We were drinking it in the wrong environment. We were in the office. It was the end of the day. We we're trying new products. Tried that one, and I was like, "If I was on the boat and Boom. it was hot as hell, it would probably be delicious." Because so that's what they're going for, right? Of course. So the zero, zero carbs. The zero, exactly. the zero carb is they're they're trying to. I don't know what the wording was, what they this thing is, but. People that are watching their weight, you know, they cut out carbs because they start doing keto and, you know, whatever, right? right? So when you see the zero... Some marketing bullshit. <laughs> well, I don't know. This is what we gathered. This is what I got from the meeting about the, about this, okay? When people see zero carb that are doing keto, which is most of the people in Arlington, like ladies and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and guys or whatever, they're going to see that zero carb. Oh, I can get that and still not worry about getting out of ketosis? Boom, I'm going to buy it. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, somebody said that to me when I was in, I was in one of my accounts on Friday. I was like, on, I mean, on Thursday, I was like, yeah, but if you drink the whole twelve pack, there it is. Gonna, there it, it is. doesn't matter if you, I was thinking in my head. I was like, it doesn't matter if you if you stay in ketosis or not because you just drink. 1,200 calories. Right. Like, you know, so what difference well, is Your make? body processes alcohol the same way it processes sugar. Right. It actually, your body will stop metabolizing whatever it is you're consuming as soon as alcohol gets into your system. It shuts down whatever it's doing to process the alcohol because it thinks it's poisoned. Mm. We got to get this out of here. So you're immediately kicked out of ketosis. If you have like even two, three beers, because we actually, the reason why I know this is because for our Viva honey seltzer, uh, we have... Uh, my uh, chief operating officer, uh, Tyler's got a friend with diabetes and he was like, he has a you know life glucose monitor. So he's like, I wonder how many Vivas I can drink without spiking my blood sugar. And he had like four or five. And I was like, okay, there is, there is something to low carb products. It yeah. doesn't spike it, but it's like, what's your goal? Mm-hmm. Are you drinking to have a drink or two? Then you're fine. But if you're trying to get drunk, you're going to get ketogenic ketosis, whether there's zero carbs or five or I 20. See, yeah. So, you know, I, that's what I do. And I'm just like, you know, I'll drink, I'll drink them. But like, if there's other stuff, I'm going to drink the other stuff also. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to drink whatever's available. Right. But like, to me, you know, they spent 10 years developing this. 10 to, years? 10 years. They had people working on Bud Light Next for 10 years at Anheuser-Busch. How long has it been out? A few months, maybe? I think it, we rolled it out in January. Yeah. So... Like, think about it. These, this, there's a team of people that all they're waiting on is the final, the first number six are rolling in, whether they've been successful or not. They've been yeah. working on this 10 years of their life. Have you had it? Yeah, I like it. Uh, like, it literally tastes like, oh, there's natural flavoring in it. And I, I jokingly was like, is it beer flavor? Like, is that what they added <laughs> back into the, <laughs> well, it, it's it, like, it tastes like water. It's uh, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I might buy a six pack of it. And the call it a day, but I'm not going to buy a 12 pack or 18 pack or anything like that yeah. of it yeah. because when I'm going to drink, I have an end goal. But it just goes to show you how much fuck you money these companies have to be able to do that kind mm-hmm. of shit, man. To like oh, get yeah. The marketing and all that shit. The for amount 10 of years. lab work that that product probably went through has got to be insane. Like yeah. that probably was under the microscope 80 hours a day. If that so was then, even possible. You know, then they also did, um, what do you call it? 
Super Bowl commercial, this last Super Bowl we had. Oh, yeah, yeah. they definitely got it. Uh, they did one for that. They did one for Bud Light Soda. Uh, soda. Oh, the soda seltzers? Yeah. yeah. And they I haven't did had one, those. And they did one for Bud Light um, Sour. Now, I can speak on them because I have them all in my accounts. And yeah. the ones that are moving very decently are the soda, which we keep on running out of because they don't say enough enough. Of course. And then um, the sour. They're both but doing well? They're both doing well for us. Well, at least in my, my territory. In your yeah. Okay. So, like, I got Arlington, Eads, Lakeland, and half of Cordova. That and makes I'm, sense, I'm, yeah. I'm doing pretty decently with it. But, you know, you have guys that have Kroger's that are selling. So, our bug guys, I mean, they're selling a couple hundred cases of Bud Light Next because they have display. Yeah. They have the, they have the space in the Kroger thing. Mm-hmm. And then you have, like, a, like you... Or you have like Sierra Nevada or whatever that has like two facings. Right. Short face too, not full face, short face. Right. So you're getting three cans, three six packs only, and that's it. You right. Know? It's kind of like one day, one of these managers is going to go, fuck, the pro- fuck that. This is I want my Kroger set to be done, and that's how it's going to happen. That, yeah. And I think that's where you, everyone's going to start picking up a lot of ground against like the big, big boys because apparently there's a, when I was, when I had Arlington Kroger, uh, the a guy's he was uh really cool. He was like, man, you guys can set this however it's supposed to be coming down from whoever created it, AB or Miller Coors. Mm-hmm. I know what sells better. I'm gonna adjust it. So after mm-hmm. I adjust it, after y'all do it, then you can make the picture and put it up wherever you want to put it up. Mm-hmm. He gave so much more space to local than there was. That's great. So I mean, helps me out. Yeah, exactly. So you <laughs> know, it's like out. I was like, Chuck, Chuck, it can't be like this. It has to be the picture. He's like. Dude, I've been I've been the general manager of this store for 17 years. This is how it's gonna be. That's or, rare. Or, he's like, or you can take it, you can take all your beer and we give you all the locals and Miller. I was like, oh, I'm just I'm just saying. I was, like, I'm just, just, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm you know, suggesting. But um, so how do you guys plan on expanding? Expansion? Uh like uh, other territories and stuff? Well, that and like getting more gain, getting more space in lo- locally for, first. Uh so we're gonna start rolling out uh because eventually you had to have more SKUs. You got to have more barcodes. You got to have more shell spots. Uh, so we have our three beers, you know, Poppies, Tiger Tail, Godhopper. Right now we are developing like what we think our next shelf beer is going to be. And we usually test it by one, we got to pick a category that is successful. So uh, like I'll go ahead and say it now. We're trying to make a, uh, a Belgian wit is one of the beers we're messing around with. So like a Blue Moon Shock Top. Those sell very well. Uh, so we look at that and go, okay, let's master it. Let's make it for the tap room, and then let's blind taste it and uh, with the other competitors. And once ours wins 100%, all right, that's going to be the next pot that we put on the shelf. So that's what we're doing internally, you know, for our next, you know, one to two more beers that we'd have wholesale. But I also don't want to get into the game of chasing skews. Like, just because you can make a porter doesn't mean you should. Right, right. 100% agree with that. So it's, you know, like, if we made another version of Poppies, be like, why the hell did you, like, for Kroger, be like, why the hell did you do that? You're just cannibalizing your own product. So internally, we're developing new beers. They'll be, you know, we're going to start releasing random beers to the city. Uh, for like your, you know, more crafty accounts that want to have one random beer, we'll do that. Uh, another way we're expanding, uh, we'll, you know, we've gotten a lot of feedback from other distributors in you know, Nashville, Chattanooga, Jackson, Mississippi. And it's funny, they, they all want Tiger Tail. 
So that's uh, Tiger Tail's kind of like our push through. The, that gets the door open. Right. Then they meet us. We give them the pitch deck, and that's how we'll expand it to other cities. Uh, it's just you know showing the beer off, making sure that it's selling more, but uh, just continuing to make consistent good beer is and making sure people know they can get it. That's kind of how we have to make sure that that's really the only way we can really grow our uh, shelf spots and grow our taps at bars, restaurants, and grocery. So that's probably, that's I'd say probably, that's how we're going to start expanding. Man, space on a tap in a restaurant or bar Oof. is more cutthroat than it's brutal, than, than like taking it from a C store or something like that. Yeah. Because, you know, you got you got some kind of saying, you got a half barrel of whatever, um, whatever on there, right? You got Tiger Tail and you got Godhopper and then Bud Light has the next four and then Miller has two or whatever. Like say like yeah. Young Avenue or something like that, right? Right. But like, it's just become like so brutal because now these managers are like, well, you know, we want to try new things and you got the salesmen like, well, you know, this is, this is proven. Right. Sell, yeah. You know, so it's like, well, okay, yeah, you're, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. But as the mentality starts changing, I think with the, with managers and stuff like that, of how they should try new things instead of just sticking to Imperial on draft or mm-hmm. this on draft or that on draft. Like, I think it's going to really help out all local beer. Yeah. I know. So there's, there's uh, a negative and a positive. So from a consumer, if I'm going to a restaurant, I would, I, mean, I don't know what the split would be. Maybe it's 50, 50, maybe it's 90, 10. I don't know, but you've got, you're going into, uh, a slider and a Hueys. And okay. it's like, all right, I know they're going to have X on draft. And then you go in there and it's like, why isn't it on draft? Oh, we're rotating. And I think most consumers are like, all right, cool. What do you have that's like that? Let me try something new. Me personally, I'm a, if I find something that I like, I stick with it. I don't like, I actually am not a variety guy. I have poppies. I don't te- keep Tiger Tail in my fridge anymore at home except for special occasions because I'll drink a six-pack and then we got a problem. <laughs> but, like, I'll drink poppies until the sun sets, like, and I'm probably not going to try anything else. But I think most consumers, they want to try new. They want to be, you know, trying something different. It's more fun. You know, if you go to a restaurant, it's going to be, you know, it's not always the same. So you have the positive of, oh, you're keeping it variety. More people get to try new stuff. And it is a great opportunity for, you know, like if you did an Imperial Stout on draft, which I don't think any restaurants in Memphis would be doing that. No. But it gives people a chance to like, oh, I love uh, I love Guinness. Like, oh, well, we don't have Guinness on draft right now, but we do have blank. And they get a chance to try that. So it works both ways. But now finding the waitress or bartender that's going to say, but I, I don't have this. But I have, yeah, that's the, that's where it's like, you know, that's where your reps come into play. I think becoming friends with the man, uh, with, with the manager, with the, with the right. bartender, with the server, because if I don't have poppy pill, well, what do you recommend? Yeah. Oh, we don't have it. Now, if it's an asshole, right. gonna, oh, we don't have it. Do you want like a Bud Light or something? Right. I'm kind of busy, yeah. you know, but if you become friends with them. They were like, well, you know, we have this. It's from Grand City. You want to try it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Let me, yeah, let me try it. I, it's relationship is, I mean, Memphis is definitely, I mean, we're the definition of a big, small town. Yeah. It's like, it's all, every deal outside. I mean, even Kroger, to an extent, is relationship uh, sales. I know somebody who, I won't say the brewery, but he was a sales rep for another brewery. 
And uh, during COVID, he actually uh, he left and went to another company. And the restaurants that were carrying his the products that he represented, they were all gone as soon as he left. Mm-hmm. Like he was, I'm only keeping this beer on because I love that rev that much. Wow. It's like, wow, that's, was it selling for you? Like, like well, we were pushing it because we liked him. It's like, oh, and as soon as he left, they removed all those beers. So it's definitely a relationship, but also making sure that, because I'll, I, I, uh, I'll tell Athens sometimes that, even though Tiger Tail is working for us, it was definitely a difficult beer to bring to market. Hey, restaurant, you want to have a malt liquor on draft? Uh, no. Yeah. But that's why I, you know, I worked with the reps and was like, have them taste the beer first and then tell them what it is after they say they like it, hopefully. Like, <laughs> then tell them what they're drinking and then they'll more likely to put it on draft. But also part of our job is we need to make sure that our reps can actually sell it. So, like, developing, you know, Poppy's pills. Like, how do I sell it? Ask them if they like light beer. Like, that's an easy one. Mm-hmm. So then if you're a waiter, waitress at a restaurant, somebody's like, can I get can I get a Bud Light? And they're like, yeah, you can, but have you tried this new light beer from Grind City? It's it's making it easy. Like, if I were to put out there a sour beer for them to have on draft, that's going to be more difficult for, like, your bartender to recommend. So it's it starts at the brewery of making a beer that's simple enough that your reps can educate the uh, restaurants about it, or if they don't even have to, it's like, hey, this is this is a Miller Lite Corona Modelo kind of beer. Done, easy. What was the first place y'all were in? Oh, the very first place to pick us up. That's a good question. Uh, hmm, I have to think about that one because it was multiple places all at once that we got distributed out to. Oh, okay. Was it was liquor stores first, right? It was liquor stores. We got honestly, we got lucky. Uh, we got Kroger with our uh, with one of our first orders. Damn, so hell yeah! So we had we had a marketing budget. Uh, we had we we had a go to market budget, so, uh, fair, uh, so to say. And COVID took all of that away because we got our permit April first of twenty twenty. Tap rooms weren't legally legally allowed to open. Uh, and bars and restaurants, you couldn't dine in. Yeah. So our whole business, our go-to-market strategy was we had like 60 events over two months. Like we're going to hit every bar, every place, and we're just going to have badass parties. That was taken all away, and all of our beer was in kegs. It's like, well, what do we do with these? Because our distributor fairly was like, guys, we can't buy your kegs. Like we have no customers right now. It's like, all right, cool. Well, not cool, but we had to pivot. And we took all the keg beer Reversed the process, pushed it back into tanks, and then we had our prototype cans. The reason why we were doing keg first, we were waiting for the final cans to arrive. Uh, and so we had like a three-week window of, well, through three weeks at least of a bunch of parties, and then the cans will come right behind that. It was all perfect. We were all going to be smiling and dancing in the meadow, and none of that happened. So after... We take the keg beer, put it in the tanks, and then we canned prototype cans just to get it out in the market. It's like, all right, at a certain point, you have to have cash flow. Sold all that, and Kroger actually picked up uh, on our first order. And I was like, oh, phew, because we needed sales bad. At a certain point, I was like, we can go out the right way, and we can wait, you know, and lose every single dime and go under, or... 
get out there and start hustling. Do you, are you kind of glad that you went through the pandemic so you can see what you're capable of doing? <laughs> no, <laughs> that was awful. Uh, I think hindsight. Yes. Like I've learned so much, uh, honestly of managing finances. Like I'm our CFO right now mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that to brag. I suck at, at finance, at, uh, financial work. I'm terrible at it. I hate accounting. I do all of our accounting. I do all of our financial projections. I do them all. And because of COVID, like I had to work with a, t- like I, when I say tight budget, I was like, do not spend a dollar. Mm-hmm. We've got to get through this. So spend as, so I got really, I say really good. Like maybe I'm a base, like I'd be a really crappy CFO for a company, but I know something yeah. about financials. Uh, also opportunities that, that brought up, but I always remind myself, like we weren't a restaurant, like we were still able to sell wholesale and restaurants. Most of them couldn't. Yeah. They were doing to go orders, but there's only so many to go orders that you, yeah. that you'll get. So what really it was for me, the pan, the pandemic was like, yeah, construction was tough as it was. And I was losing sleep over that. Cause it was like one thing after another was going wrong. And after another, but there was days, uh, especially winter of 21, the first quarter. Well, not, not the whole quarter, because March we kicked back up. But January, February, they re-shut down restaurants. And oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that very Damn. well. It was, I would be at an event, and I would just be completely, I wouldn't talk to anybody, because I knew there was a 50% chance that tomorrow morning our bank account was in the negatives with overdrawn. Mm. And I was like, please don't catch that check that I sent. Please don't catch that check that I sent. And then March, everything started opening back up. I mean, there was multiple nights that I was like, I didn't sleep. I mean, I still don't sleep very much, but that's because my wife's a night owl and my daughter's crazy. So <laughs> that's a different kind of uh, staying up. That one's, that's, that one's really fun. Uh, but uh, the during the pandemic, I I'd had I mean there's definitely lessons that I learned and I know that if we got through that yeah yeah I mean we're gonna get through anything and I think your name is kind of fitting Grind City oh yeah we definitely had to grind it out <laughs> yeah man we well, definitely it, had you know to. it's kind of like a lot of people that were in the uh, service industry that got jobs like say like Amazon for example and stuff like yeah. that they were like you know, they took the, they had to take that chance because before they were so used to just making that money they were making. Yeah. Right. And then when they had to pivot, like you said, to a different thing. And now they're more happy than they were back then. Yeah. I mean, because the service industry is not an easy job. No. It's not. You're, I mean, people sometimes say like, oh, it's just a waiter. It's like you wait on people. People kind of suck. So yeah. Yeah. like you have to, it's a really busy job. I don't miss. I worked at, I think five or six restaurants. I don't miss that job. I really don't. It's not a fun job. How'd you, oh, I'm sorry. No, it's it, it, but it's you know it's a necessary job, and now everybody's working for Amazon, FedEx, IP. Mm-hmm. Can't get enough waiters or waitresses anymore. And that's the thing. I always see this meme pop up on my timeline and stuff. Remember when you told that waitress get a better job because you want she was bitching about something, and that's yeah. she did. Now your favorite <laughs> restaurant's short staff. Yeah, it's your fault. You know, yeah, it's like well, it's it, true, man. You know, and. And everyone I see that that's pivoted from that and got on a better job, they seem so much happier that they go to work and then they're off. Their bosses are going to call up. Yeah, it's stable. You know what you're going to make every week. You're getting, you know, or whatever it is, however they get paid two every two weeks or whatever. But it's consistent money and benefits. 
the benefits of the big part of you it. You know, and, and soul draining too, though. Nine to fives are soul draining, man. They are. Who's talking talk to you? Telling, I, I know they're soul draining, bro. Yeah. I know. Like, my fucking I think people that work in the industry will have a little bit more fun. I agree with that. It's a fun. It's yeah. it, you, it's definitely a it's a lifestyle for yeah. sure. I mean, like anytime we have a you know an account come to the brewery, free beer, let's hang out, like just get to know you better. It's always on a Monday, like mid afternoon, because everyone's got to work at night. Mm. And it's like, if you're not willing to work 12 hours, get the hell out of my restaurant. Yeah. Like you, it's, you have to do that. But me personally, whenever I have to do like office work or any of that stuff, which is taking up way too much of my time, uh, cause I just love brewing. That's if I could just brew and not have to worry about sales or marketing or anything like that, I'd love it. But whenever I do office work, I'm like, ah, I couldn't do this for eight hours i have to like if it's a hundred percent office work day usually every 30 minutes i just take a lap around the brewery mm. like a reset yes because yeah. i hate hate office work first <laughs> I, I wake up at four or five in the morning first thing i do is i clear emails I'm like this sucks <laughs> <laughs> what made y'all decide to go with athens over like say uh mm-hmm. budweiser uh it was priority I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I mean, and look to y'all to to Eagles' defense. If they didn't push Budweiser, they'd be out of business. Like you got to sell Budweiser, and like y'all's craft portfolio is very impressive. But now we're it was like oh we're just in line now. So that well that's that's how we felt at the beginning. Honestly, y'all do a really good job presenting y'all's uh, portfolio. Y'all really do, and uh, it was just with Athens. It was like we are the beer. That's right. So and that's, it's it, it's in other states. We work with uh, Bud Houses in Arkansas and Mississippi, and it's great relationships and stuff. But it's now you know what it's like to be. I mean, we're not even second in their portfolio, and we're like a hundred and fifth, maybe. So it's that's like um, it's like you know, at Athens, you are the beer. You're going to get priority. They only care about you, you know, and. With us having so many other local breweries, mm-hmm. it it's like, where would you fall? That's what I told Alex one day. I was like, you know, it's probably the best thing those guys decided to go with y'all because with us, we have to push so much other beer also, and, right. then, and then they're the new ones to market. And, of course, we're going to do some kind of rollout for y'all, and, hey, this is the new beer. You got to have it. Everyone's buying mm-hmm. it. But, like, it would have eventually after, like I say, after the first year, it probably would have gotten lost. It, it, it probably would have, you know, it and maybe would, it wouldn't have been top of our minds anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like how Athens, yeah. it's it's top of mind all the time. Yeah. And and that's the benefit. And, and we're both growing together. I mean, there's, you know, we've released, like, we have a great relationship with them. We, if we release a product that like, let's say we got bad cardboard, it's like if at a bigger, at a, at a giant beer house, they'd be like, you know, F you, get out of here. I and mean, I'm not dealing with this stuff. And Athens is like, hey, this is a problem. Let's solve this so we don't have to deal with this again. And we'll flip flip out whatever we have to do. And then, like, Athens is not in every convenience store. Mm-hmm. But they're growing in those convenience stores. So That they are. Yes. That they are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's overall, it's a great relationship. So what is your team? Like, how important are they, obviously? My team? Yeah. Oh, I don't need them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. <laughs> If it wasn't for my team, uh, I would probably be divorced. There's no way that's, I just, I mean, I work a lot as is, but I've got, 
my chief operating officer, Tyler Nelson, he is, he is like, if you need something done, you talk to him. Mm -hmm. That's his skill. He's very mechanic. He got an economics degree and he is very mechanically minded. He just makes stuff work. That's just how his brain works. Even like, even if it's a horrible idea, like I have to admit, I had a real, I've had a lot of bad ideas before and we did an old fashioned seltzer. And the way we made it was we actually barrel, we bourbon barrel aged the seltzer. And he was like, oh, God, I'm going to have to make this work. Oh, no, this is terrible. (laughs) We made it work and turned out nobody cares about an old-fashioned seltzer. But that's his skill set. And then my head brewer, Mark Patrick, he does 90% of our brews now. And he has our brewing system down to a T. And he also he's the one who came up with the Rice Krispie Treat Lager and, like, the random stuff. And I want to try that. Uh, it'll probably come back in the next month. Okay, it was really yeah, popular. I, I want to try that for sure. But uh, their skills are, you know, Tyler gets everything done. Mark has a mind for beer that I could never have because I'm more about clean lager, clean malt liquor, easy drinking, clean, simple beers. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, honestly, Tyler and Mark, both of their minds are, could we make it more complex? Could we age it on this? Could we throw this fruit in there? And that's just not how my brain works. Mine is making the same product over and over and over again as consistent as possible. And then we've got uh, my event director, uh, Ian Betty. He has taken like nine, he's taken actually 100% of the front of house responsibilities away from me. And him and my tapper manager, Ashley Greasy, they run that, they run a tight ship up there. So it's like that's one less thing I have to worry about. I can focus on new markets, I can focus on the future and overall business plan and what we're, what we're going to do with our company. And then our bartending staff, God bless them. They are fantastic. I got really nervous about losing bartenders during the pandemic. It was Mm -hmm. like, Oh man, people are going to try to find better jobs. We're going to have, we do not, we have like 1% turnover. Our bartenders stay. They love it. And we have, you know, we have, we've built a really solid uh, culture at the brewery. Like we're not snobs. Like at the end of the day, it's just beer. Like we're not making microchips for Ford F one fifties. We're just making beer. Like don't be snobby about it. Yeah, and we'll make a snobby beer, but don't be snobby about it. It's like oh, this has notes of uh, of this is also fun. Do you like this beer? Yes. No. Uh, yes. Yeah, dude, you're speaking there. You to go. Fire, man. Yeah. Like, well, that's what I love about beer. Beer. Like they always said, beer. Uh, like wine. Was for wine and mead was for the royalty and beer was for the peasants is what they always said, mm. and it's like yeah peasants have fun I love that <laughs> like yeah. people drinking a glass of whiskey together that's one thing having a glass of wine with somebody's another but there's just something special and fun about there's a fire let me grab a twelve pack or a fifteen pack of poppy's pills and let's just go crack these open have a good time and all of our bartenders are just super nice they. None of, and again, none of us are really snobby. Say really. Sometimes we got we to gotta get a little snobby with certain people, but. <laughs> Chris Green's bitch ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Chris. I'm just kidding. No, it's like what you said. It's beer at the end of the day, right? And when mm-hmm. I have, when they, when a new Miller rep comes and, and we share an account together, you know, he tries to like flex on the account mm-hmm. and, you know, you have to have this much space for my product, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, and then I try to become friends with them. I'm like, hey, man, you know, 
we sell beer. We're not uh, we're not saving babies from cancer and shit. We sell right. beer. I mean, we sell beer that's already proven. We're not trying to prove anything to anybody because the beer is already selling itself. Right. We're just getting space. And he's like, oh, that's what all you bud guys do. But I was like, what are you talking well, about? Yeah. I mean, dude, like you're selling Miller. The only <laughs> thing we have to sell are new items into an account. Bud Light is going to sell itself, man. Right. And, you know, other things are going to sell itself. Miller and Miller and Coors Light, how hard do you have to sell that? You don't. You might have to ask for a display every now and then. That's about it. Maybe. And, you know, like, and the guys, and they're all, so apparently you're supposed to hate each other. We're supposed to hate each other. Yeah, Miller right. and Eagle are supposed to hate each other. Or, of course. Or Ajax and Eagle. I'm like, no, I want to work with my Miller rep that I go against. That way, when he needs a display, go ahead, Drew. I I'll, got the next one. I'll, you go ahead and do this one. And that way, I'll take the heat from my manager or whatever because, <laughs> because you don't because I don't have one. But you get the credit from your bosses because you have somebody coming in town yeah. that they want to see this. Mm-hmm. And then when I need one, you don't put one up. And you t- okay, we can do that for sure, right? And then usually, if the beer gets delivered when he comes to help do the display, like you know, he's like, "Hey, what do you, what do you think is the best place?" We'll help each other. Yeah, there's enough to go around where all of us can make and and eat. You don't, we don't have to take from one another. Right. Now there, there is obviously there's that level of like it is competition. Like I'm competitive, so I'm like if I ain't first and last, Ricky Bobby, here we go. <laughs> yeah. But there is you have to think about we're all humans. All we're really trying to do at the end of the day, I just want to go to bed knowing that my daughter and my wife can eat tomorrow morning. Mm. Like that's what it's all about. Can I pay the mortgage? Can I get that's bare line? That's what it's really all about. So yeah. just attacking each other doesn't really it doesn't help. Like we're all humans. It's like, man, I'm not trying to kill you. I'm trying to make I'm trying to make do my job. Yeah, it's like we have me and the other guy share another account, and he literally took one whole door of mine, right? Put his all, all his seltzers oh, okay. in there. So he put nineteen two white claw, all that other shit, right. all seltzers in this one door of mine that was like predominantly my craft door in the small account. Yeah. I come in there. I was like, hey, what up to my beer? He's like, oh, the guy said that you guys said that he could have. The-. I was like, oh, okay, cool. No problem. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, no problem. Okay. He's like, well, I'm going to put my beer back in here. And can you just tell him not to take it back out? So next, uh, next, like a week later, I actually saw him in the account because we've kind of been at the same time. I was like, dude, yeah. I'm going to tell you this. Next time you ever take any of my beer out, I'm going to take all your, your beer, beer out. All yeah. of your beer. <laughs> and I'm going to put it in the back where the sodas and shit are. Yeah. When you start playing dirty, that's when... Uh, that's yeah. when, you, when you start crossing that line. It's like, all right, buddy, here we go. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I, I get it. You're supposed to try to take me out or whatever, but I'm telling you right now, I will spend all day on my route and fuck you up, man. Yeah. <laughs> I really will all week. I'll say it till eight o'clock at night every day. Yeah, and fuck you up and all the sorts we share. Yeah, I mean that's uh, when we were first starting out. Some of our Kroger displays would be, uh, uh, let's just say, uh, slightly messed with yeah. the, uh, <laughs> so i would go home uh like there's there's a lot of days where i say a lot of days not anymore but i'd be at the brewery till eleven thirty at night midnight and on my way home but if i was able to leave at like six i'm hitting two or three krogers on the way home I'm like whatever you touched i'm fixing like i'm gonna make this pristine every time i get the chance oh yeah because like they'll fuck up the bud display or whatever and then and I don't know how the guys in Kroger handle their stores with each other, you know, but like right. me and my guys that I go get to the Miller, we're all on the same page. Yeah. You know, so we got, I got to e- We got it easy with each other now. Well, that's good. And also like at the end of the day, it's, it's up to the customer. I mean, you could have a gigantic display, but if the beer sucks, like no one's going to, it's like, cool. 
giant stack of shitty beer. Awesome. Thanks. I'm going to go grab this instead. Yeah, that um, having more displays than your competitor doesn't mean you're going to sell more beer. Right. You know, and that's one thing that locally the Miller, uh, the Ajax house does not understand that. Mm-hmm. So you could have three Bud Lights, I mean, three Miller Lite, Coors Light, and say Heineken, and we just have one little Bud Light. I promise the Bud Light's going to, I'm going to have to refill that Bud Light 10 times right. compared to the three that you have. Yeah, Bud Light's number one selling beer in the world. Yeah. Like, I was just like, sure, you can, I mean, you're not, you're just going to make me look bad for my boss. It doesn't matter. Like, he's going to say, <laughs> why are you getting outcompeted? Well, look at the numbers. And then, yeah. like, okay, never mind. You know, so. So what do you deal with as far as competition here in town? Uh, I mean, competition here in town is all the local breweries. I mean, it's uh, it's Wiseacre, Ghost River, Meddlesome, Crosstown, um, Memphis Made, High Cotton, Soul and Spirit. Like, we're all competing. But the cool thing about Memphis right now is that we're still so small. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, which has, I think, about 250,000 people. They have almost 100 breweries. Wow. What? Yeah. That, like, it's like, oh, we don't have that problem. We don't have that yeah. at all. We've got like eight. So and just more and more are popping up too. Do y'all do any type of cross promotion shit or is it just strictly uh, so, competition? Uh, I don't think it's strictly competition. Like I know for a fact, like if anybody's short on a raw material, uh-huh. like yesterday, uh, we, uh, uh, a guy we know from High Cotton Brewery was like, hey man, we need some honey. I know because y'all have the honey seltzer, y'all got plenty of it. You cool giving a, if, uh, helping us out with some honey? I was like, yeah, man, come on over. And then, like, we needed a certain, we had to send uh, some brewing equipment uh, to get fixed, and we needed the parts uh, called Ghost River. I was like, hey, man, we need this part. Do you have an extra one that we could borrow for a few days? And they're like, absolutely, man. So we're all trying to help each other because, in reality, the craft market in Memphis is not, well, we at least we don't think so yet, uh, is not where it could be. Because we're such a domestic town, mm-hmm. for we, sure. Yeah, we are. We are Bud Miller Coors. Like that's what sells in Memphis. So, craft beer can grow a lot more in Memphis. And for the most part, we help each other out. Like uh, taste, taste. Uh, Wiseacres taste the rarity. They reach out to all the local breweries. Hey, do you want to have a tent here? Be a part of this festival. Mm-hmm. So, like, we'll have a tent there. Other local breweries will have tents there. So it's it is sort of a collaboration. But yeah, we are competing with each other. Yeah, but we know it's. It's business. Mm-hmm. It's nothing personal. Is that the one that's in April? Uh, yes. At OG location? Yeah, the broad one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I saw that the other day. I was like, that looks very cool. Yeah. How'd you guys link up with uh, Ounce of Hope? Ounce of Hope? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that one. So, Ounce of Hope, we actually did a 420 event uh, last year. That was the first one we ever did. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little nervous. I was like, oh, 420 events, here we go. How's this going? We have corporate po- uh, sponsorships, blah, 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 blah. Then I met Colin in person, the you know one of the, fa- the founder of Ounce of Hope. And I was like, oh, shit, you're you're really professional. Yeah. Okay, okay. It wasn't like the stereotype of what you think of a weed <laughs> yeah. shop, right? And his story is incredible with yeah. like the, like why he got into CBD. It's, you know, it's, it's sad, but... It's like, oh, you're doing, there's a purpose behind this. I can get behind this. This mm-hmm. is really cool. So we did the 420 event last year, which was huge. I was not expecting that. It's like a Tuesday night. Yeah, it was Tuesday. And remember the weather turned? Everybody came inside? Oh, God, it was way too many people inside. Because <laughs> I was working late. I wasn't even working the event. I was doing uh, end of, I was doing uh, accounting that night. And that's when I usually stay until 1130. 
and then uh, got a somebody texted me a picture. One of our bartenders like need help up front. Everybody's inside now because it's raining. Every parking spot was filled. There's yep. like a few hundred people there. It was really fun. It was really cool. But I love what Ounce of Hope is doing because. Like as things become legal and like Delta eight's now legal, which mm-hmm. is just a it's THC. Yeah. It's not Delta Nine. So but now Delta Nine's kind of legal in Tennessee or whatever, but they're like how they grow it, their practices, like it's it's not harmful. You know it's authentic when you get something from Out to Hope. So working with them on we are working on some stuff uh that we're hoping to test out uh at the four twenty event. Oh but, nice. Uh, love those guys. I actually met with them yesterday. Yeah, the Ounce of Hope guys are great, and they take it seriously. Mm-hmm. It's like we're, we're trying to make great products. It's like I love that. Yeah, we made calling what through Kevin, right? Yeah, Co- they're three years ago, or something like that. I don't know how long we've known him. So yeah, we've been we were part of that last year too. Yeah, and then like we part of this one this year, mm-hmm. and um, it's wild. They have fire dancers. It's yeah. like what? How do you, how do you have a fire dancer contact? It's uh yeah, it's like. I mean, remember that lady that came last year with the with the axe stolen? They had like oh, a big yeah. ass truck that like a transformer ass. Like, dude, that truck was so cool. Yeah, it was a great event. It was great. Do y'all have any other events planned this year? Uh, this year, so our next ones like today, we're having our uh, uh, our bottle release party. But there's only 240 bottles, so it's going to be, be gone. Like it's going to be gone. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We already had when I as I was there this morning uh, helping. As we don't, we actually don't have a label on our bottle. We actually have a tags that we wrap tie put on the neck because we don't have a labeler yet so uh i was there this morning tying 240 little <laughs> things putting on the neck and when i left we already had people waiting in line i was like yes yeah this is what i'm talking about uh event wise uh obviously october our october fest which is that's our one year anniversary it's kind of well our this will be our two-year anniversary gotcha. so that's how we line ours up so ours is like Oktoberfest is technically in September. <clears throat> ours is in October because that's when we opened. Was the first weekend of October. Uh, we've got man, we've got a lot of stuff planning. Now that we've got really a team assembled, mm-hmm. it was just taproom wise. It was literally just me and my previous taproom manager, Kristen, would just do would do a lot. And I was like, we can't, man. If we do too much, like I can't do anything else. So mm-hmm. now we've got people in the right spots, and now we can do more events. We'll have more charity events. We'll have always going to try to have random beer on draft and uh, things like that. But I'm trying to think of anything major we got going on right now. I think our next major event is the 420 event. And then uh, hopefully we'll have something pl- uh, fun planned for the summer. But I cannot re- I cannot reveal any more details legally. So, <laughs> um, so we usually end the podcast with uh, asking our oh, guests. Let me ask him something. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. What yeah. are your plans as far as like Memphis? Like as far as like changing the landscape of Memphis? I want to encourage business development in Memphis. So whenever, so step one is cash flow. Mm-hmm. Get to a spot where you can actually, I remember when I was meeting with, I met with some, with corporate Chick-fil-A when I was in Boise. Because I was like, what if I say scrap brewing and I take the Chick-fil-A route? Obviously I didn't do that. But uh, I talked about how making a difference is, it, it, you know, it, that's something that I want to do. And they were like, at least $3 million. Like what? <laughs> at least it's like to make real difference. It's at least three million dollars. And I was like, "Oh, okay." So we got to have a lot of sales. But I just want 
more businesses to develop. I want uh, people of uh, one of the our charity par- uh, partners, uh, the Leadership Empowerment Center. They're based out of Fraser, and what we're going to develop with them is uh, they take kids from uh, gang infested homes, mm. and they try to get them to not go that route. Yeah. Uh, send them to college or have them go to a trade school or meet uh, an entrepreneur. So what I want to do is we're going to try to set up like an apprenticeship program. So you can come in and you can learn, even if you're 16, like most of beer is not alcoholic. Mm. When you're making beer, there's no alcohol. When it's fermenting, there's like no alcohol and you're not going to drink it because it tastes terrible when it's fermenting. So, you know, teach them science and teach them just the hard work of packaging and, serving other people in the tap room. I'd love to have an apprentice program like that. And in a in the dream world, I'm in a spot where I can help these uh help some of these kids develop their own businesses in North Memphis. Uh, okay. So like from your childlike self to now, is this everything that you imagined and more? Uh it's definitely harder than I thought it was gonna be yeah. uh than before. I think I mean, I guess I'm in this. I, I just I don't really reflect ever. Uh-huh. Maybe it's a problem. Uh, someday somebody will find out whether that's good or bad. But uh, when I think about, you know, previously, like, I guess I'm where I'm. I feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm doing the wrong thing. That would be that would suck at this point. Yeah. And have my life brewing. And it's like, yeah, this is not fulfilling anything. But, like, do you ever think about like how one you're employing people? And mm-hmm. two, you're giving people enjoyment by having your product. I think about that, but not very, not very often. It's like, all right, how can I? It's what's the next thing? Yeah, which that's you know that's the the rat race, right? That's what yeah, you're just constantly. Sure. Well, well, rat race is really about chasing money. It's me. It's like, all right, four people like my beer. How can I get eight people to like the beer? How can I get you know this neighborhood to you know do an event with me? It's like that's just how my brain's always on to the next thing. Yeah, and usually it's to a fault. Like we'll be celebrating something at the brewery. Like we hit a milestone or something, and I I can't celebrate. Mm. I'm like, yeah, we hit that milestone, but this is the next one. So let's hit this one, and then when we hit this one, there's another one. Let's hit that one. <laughs> Everyone's probably like me. I know the feeling. He's probably like, what a dick, man. Like you can't even <laughs> let's enjoy this moment. <laughs> it's, I let my you know I try to act like I enjoy it. I really do, but it's uh, yeah. it, It's honestly, it's a problem. You like, just want to keep on building. I want to keep get building bigger and better. Yeah, I want to yeah. keep building until I physically cannot build any longer, which means somebody else needs to come in and build up from where I took off. Yeah, because like I can relate. Because like when we first started this, like. I remember looking at the map and it was only Tennessee mm-hmm. and then I would start seeing other States and then I started seeing other countries and then like the numbers would be like, you go from one download to 500 downloads. And then mm-hmm. I'm like, well, fuck, it's only 500. I want 10,000. Right. And, <laughs> and then you're going to hit 10,000 like, and go, well, Joe Rogan has millions. Where yeah. can I get, I mean, that's what I think about. I'm like, well, Budweiser has, and it's so, it's such a dumb thought. If you think like you logically think about it. Like Michelob Ultra's Kroger shelf space. I'm like, oh, I want that one day. <laughs> That's beautiful. It's like, yeah, it's the number one selling beer in Kroger in the country. So yeah. like, they have. A, so I haven't been in a Kroger. Or I haven't paid attention since I don't have it anymore. But they Ultra has 18 pack, 24 pack, six pack, six pack can, six pack bottle, um, three pack aluminum, eight pack aluminum. There's one more oddball, like uh-huh. a twenty pack, twelve ounce aluminum. They have like ten, right? Bud Light has like fourteen or twelve, and it's just like, why do you need so much space? Like, 
And it, they can. Bingo. Because they can. Yeah. Because so, they so can. Since, since Anheuser-Busch is the category leader, right? they'll draw, say there's 20 Kroger's in Memphis, Anheuser-Busch gets to draw, I think, like 15 of them. And then Miller Coors gets to draw the other five for Memphis. Okay. And then they pass it up to... Back to Kroger, and Kroger either approves it or denies it. Right. But now there's a lot of tweaking that happens between Miller and uh, Eagle. Uh, I mean, not only locally. Like, well, can y'all redraw that so we can get one more maybe? And they're like, all right, sure. But, you know, next year you're going to have to give us two. It's like it's like draft picks, you know? It's like, we're going to give <laughs> right. you one. We want five back in return. And it's just how it is, man. And it's tough. Yeah. So that's, that's the business. Yeah. That's you, the business. Can you guys do only – or? Is this even an option? I'm not sure. It's my ignorance. But is it like a licensing thing you can try to do or want to do eventually with like a bigger company? Or do you just want to be global on your own? I mean, I'd like to. Or be bought out or whatever. I mean, uh, when it comes to buying out, it just, you know, I don't like I would love to hand this to one of my children. I'd Uh, love to. I would love to. Like, And I'm not not even saying hand it to like, okay, here's your company. Yeah. But like. Uh, any of my kids who ever works for me, like you're starting at the bottom. That's like that. And you're going to stay there for oh, a yeah. long yeah. time. Like you're going to work your ass off. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't want any of my kids to, I don't want them to have it easy. Like, yeah, they'll be like entitled. Like I remember when I wanted baseball cards when I was a kid, my dad made me dust the entire house for, you know, a pack of 45 cent baseball cards. Mm-hmm. He was like, you need to know that to get this, you have to do this. So my dream would be, it's doing so well, and one of my kids, I have a son on the way, so, you know, either my daughter or my son, you know, started working at the brewery and was, like, busting their ass, and they're loving it, and they're doing a great job, and to watch them climb, that would be the ultimate, like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. amazing. So that would be the only, the only other reason, I, I mean, that that's my plan. That's my goal, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but I forget the other part of your your question. Oh, I was just like, is it like a licensing type thing or what? Oh, like if we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if the opportunity was right, it's all about, you know, time and where. Yeah. Like if we were blowing, like if there was like a random demand, like, oh my gosh, we need 100,000 cases of Poppy's pills yesterday. Like I'll license that out to a few contractors okay. to kind of get me to where I need to be. Yeah. But I'd like, I personally, now granted, the contract breweries, they have great equipment. Like that, their contract breweries are the ones that are making your, uh, most of your PBR, your Miller, your, uh, White Claws and stuff. I just personally would like to have it under one roof and be able to oversee all of it because I do enjoy that part. How'd you get started with the University of Memphis? I'm not sure if you told that or Mm -mm. not. So that one was, uh, so all of our beers, we try to get them to highlight something, right? So Tiger Tail, uh, that was the name of the beer before we even met with the Tigers and, uh, Excuse me. My uh, father, his line of work has uh, connections with the athletic department. Okay. So uh, he sent me their number. I gave him a call, scheduled a meeting. They came to the brewery. And I was going with, hey, you know, we can make a deal here. Like 10% of our profits will go to a scholarship. Mm -hmm. How about that? And they're like, we aren't looking into that. We want an official beer. And I was like, word? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That sounds good. Okay. Now, I was kind of shocked they chose Tiger Tail, to be honest. I was kind of shocked because they tried poppies as well. But I also was really pushing Tiger Tail. I was like, yeah, because Tiger Tail is my favorite beer that we make. Yeah. So I was like, it is malt liquor, like, but it's craft. Like, it's actually like one of the craftier beers that we make. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Yes, we're gonna do Tiger Tail as our craft beer. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, that was really that was really fun. 
Now, did I hear you say that the can that this can is different than your other? Yeah. Can now? So the original, so the, y'all have the original can here. So it's the, really the main difference. Like this tiger is orange. Okay. And the uh, tiger tail can now has the Memphis Tiger logo on the back, and it's the tiger's gray instead of orange. Who designs all your logos? Uh, we so this was a pre uh, previous company. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. The artwork that I've seen so far is pretty amazing. Yeah, we work with uh, uh we've worked with uh, previously like uh, like. Subaru, they did that one. Mm. Uh, Tiger Tail was done by uh, Mindshift, and then our current cans were done by Farmhouse. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. And a lot goes into the design of these cans. Artwork. Oh, it's brutal. Artwork sells a can sometimes by itself. If it, your can looks good, you're going to try it. That's where Beale Street Brewing hit a home run mm-hmm. when they came out with the one cent, the penny beer. Yeah. And they came out with the three six beer. I'm sorry, the. Uh, the um, Eight ball MG, MG, what is it? Eight ball. Eight ball MGG. So yeah, is that the eight, space age sipping yes, one? Yeah. Eight, that can, I was like, I like this. I was booking at Miller still. I was like, man, this can is going to sell itself. And then they put the price point on it. It's not selling itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the cool looking can, no doubt. Yeah. Pricing is super crucial in beer. It's yeah. super, it's, just because it's like, if you like IPAs, it's like, I mean, I'll take a $10 six pack over a $12, pack, $12 four pack. Yeah. But, but but then you also have your price insensitive IPA lovers who are like oh twenty dollar four pack yeah sign me up oh uh, what is it um do uh how do you say delirium or something like that it's like one hundred and forty dollars a case oh delirium yeah. it's a Belgian beer <laughs> dude Jesus man it's ridiculous. is it good I, I don't know I've it's, never no, it's good it, it's traditional Belgian uh Belgian ale and but like they actually have like I don't know if they do it anymore because I haven't worked in the liquor store in forever but it's like clay made bottles oh shit like it's not like a mass produced glass bottle that's made in i got you yeah wow so you want to ask your question oh yeah <laughs> uh so we end the podcast by asking our guests to give advice to our listeners Mm-hmm. and what would your advice be to people oh boy uh it's a good one so i guess i would have two points of advice one if you're starting a company uh honestly failure is just not an option that's what got me through the pandemic was there was plenty of times where I was able to fold, fold the table and call it a day. I was like, well, that's not an option. So now what? Right. Like you, you got A, B, C, and D and none of those, uh, uh, none of those options are a failure. So if you're starting a company, I would definitely say like brand it on your mind. Failure is not an option. Also hire an accountant. Uh, the second person, like someone who's just working, Uh, buy into the company culture is what I would say because I never did buy into any cultures that I worked for because in my mind it was always "Ah, I'm going to start my own thing I don't really care this this all cheesy blah 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 and I see it now the companies where everyone's involved and everyone's in actually let me change that this is what I would say don't chase money chase management that's what I would say to someone who's not starting their own business, don't chase money, chase management. Because if you find the right management, the money will come. It may not be what you want it to be, but you'll be happy. You'll have a better work life. Nothing is wor- worse than waking up every day and hating going to work. Yeah. So you find good management, you're set. Yeah, they usually say people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. Yes. I remember I, I worked at, uh, there's one job in particular I was setting, I was next in line to be uh, the floor manager, but I was too young. 
they out they brought somebody else in to be the manager and I gave her my two weeks two days later. Like she started and then two days later gave her two weeks. I'm like, I can't do this. You see how funny that is like in in corporate world, it's like if you're too young, you're not good enough. If you're too old, you're not good enough. Bingo. But then you can be president. You can be super old. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. No, man. it doesn't make sense. But, yeah, that's the way of the world. But, yeah, it's like it should be your abilities, not your fucking age. Right. You well, know? like whenever I for our applications for anybody working, I don't ask for college education i don't ask for i think age might be on there because legally you have to put your information into mm. payroll so yeah i need to know your age but i i'm talking to you can yeah. you are you a good hang like can you hang out because we're gonna be as my uh, chief operating officer says everybody's got to eat a shit sandwich <laughs> no matter how awesome your job is there's a shit sandwich involved who do you want to share it with yeah so when i'm interviewing somebody for a position it's like can i eat this shit sandwich with you or are you going to bitch, complain, and walk away? That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, culture is a big deal. Man. It's huge, man. And like, my, it's fun. My bartenders will call me out if I'm being like too corporate I'm not a corporate <laughs> guy. I hate it. Like, I've never been successful in a corporate landscape, but I understand why it's that, why yeah. it's there. So, whenever I give like a pep talk at a meeting and I'm like, this is what we're doing, they're like, shut up. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I, I deserve that. You know, that's great. Yeah. That is good advice, man. Yeah, that chase really good advice. chase management. I couldn't. Ugh. I I don't. I remember all. Like, I worked at a lot of places. I can count on one hand how many places I wouldn't have left. Yeah, it's like I love the management here. And that's like you said. Was it one percent? You'll have turnover rate. Yeah, or, I mean, there's not even a percentage on it. Yeah, like it's just it's so little. That's awesome. People's it's well, it's a great gig. Pouring and that, beer and talking to customers, it's fantastic. Yeah. And that helps customers because if you feel comfortable with your bartender, mm-hmm. you're going to keep coming back. And then you're going to tell your friends to come there. And then your bartender is going to be, hey, what's up? Whatever guy's name right. or lady's name is, you know, Sally, whatever. Good to see you again. Oh, hey, what's up? Blah, blah, blah. And they become like friends. But you know what I'm saying? Right. But like, I don't know. That's exactly what you need. And I think you have a good spot, too, because you're not downtown, downtown. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you can. We're a destination not, spot. Yeah. We're right outside. We're close enough to downtown to where. You know where we are. Yeah. But we're not too... It's like if you bought a ranch in downtown. That's Mm. kind of what our property looks like. It's five acres on a hill all by itself. And the entire Memphis skyline is your view. Yeah. Yeah. When we got there, I was like, what the fucking pyramids? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because we were like, how do you get here? And we were like driving. We were like... Oh, that's it right there. I saw a sign. Go turn yeah, around. Turn yeah, around. <laughs> we're working on signage right now. That budget got wiped out by COVID too. Yeah. So we're right. We're building up that budget to get new signage because you yeah. do need to know where it's because, at. Because like, you know, I don't know. But I keep seeing people post like they're sitting on your patio and like it's all like, the like, time. Just, like it's all... good for like pictures and shit. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it, it's, uh, it's great. I have to remind myself like on the days where I'm just been busting my ass all day and I'm just angry mm-hmm. and I go outside. I'm like, just sit down and look like you're blessed. Like, yeah. you don't have it that bad. Shut up. Get back to work. I'm like, yeah, you're you know, conscious. You're correct. I'll get back to work. This view is pretty nice. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's what I love about our place is that the number one thing we get reviewed on is not our beer. It's our customer service. It's mm-hmm. our bartenders. Like, great brewery, great view. The bartenders are amazing. It's like, yeah, they are. And that's why, that's what keeps you coming back. The view is obviously part of it, but if our bartenders were just assholes mm-hmm. you weren't coming back that's true let me ask this question how does liquor because what do we go to what was that brewery went it's downtown it's on beale now 
Ghost, Ghost River. River. How do they get liquor? What's the they have, rules they, with that? Uh, they have a restaurant. Oh, so you have to serve food. Yeah, there's certain... That law is changing. Old Dominic's doing a lot of work about changing the laws of, like, liquor and yeah. tasting and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So you can have just liquor, but it limits how long you can be open and ah, okay. all that kind of stuff. So they have a kitchen there as well. I got you. So dumb. Some of the rules in Tennessee are so funny. Oh, don't get me started, man. <laughs> I could go... I was venting to my wife the other night, and she was like, I know these laws. Why are you yelling at me? She was like, go play with our daughter. I'm like, all right. That's fair. I've told you this a billion times, how dumb this law is, but... Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having Thanks. me. Thanks That's, a lot. This is great. We learned a lot. Are y'all doing anything with Memphis in May? Uh, Memphis in May, uh, if we're... Uh, I'm completely out of the event space right now, which is kind of nice. But uh, we've got uh, we'll have stuff st- stuff going on in Memphis. Like uh, Memphis in May, it's all about you know Bill Street Music Fest, which that's pretty much locked down by uh, <laughs> you know who <laughs> and Azra Bush. You're not getting in, in Memphis in May. No, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. AJ, but barbecue Fest AJ, will be in there. Yeah, AJ has a lock on bar, um, uh, Bill Street Music. Fest. Yes, he does. And nobody's getting in there. That's any kind of relationship to a beer. Are y'all doing a tent at Barbecue Fest or just a uh, We're not going to have our own tent, but uh, we're going to be work Like one of my uh, one of my board members, he has a tent. Oh, okay. so he, like, so we're going to sponsor tents. I got you. For yeah, uh, yeah, Barbecue yeah. Fest, for uh, sure. My brother seems one of the teams you're sponsoring. Oh, really? All right. That's yeah. good. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. See? Well, that's what it's about, man. <laughs> Barbecue brother. Fest is Memphis as hell, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, you know, do I really want to type up an email and send to my company? Or I was like, <laughs> nah, nah. Let me just start thinking on my head. You know, I was like, yeah. fuck it. And then I reached out to Jessica and I was like, hey, you know, these are my brother's uh, awards from Barbecue Fest. Um, they're looking for like maybe like a beer sponsor. Do you guys want to? Yeah. Do you think a grind city might want to do it? She's like, I could always ask. Right. What's they going to say is no, right? I was like, yeah, right. true. And uh, she's like, yeah, they'll do it. I was like, awesome. That's right. Thank you. So thank you. <laughs> of course. Happy to do it. That is awesome. All right, man. We appreciate you doing this. Thank y'all for having me. All right. We love you lots. Bye.